He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder, manager of cornnation.com. You're in Nebraska Cornhusker site. I'm still believing that someday we'll look back on this and laugh. This episode, I am joined by my close personal SB Nation friend, Travis Miller, who runs our Purdue site. And he is, uh, he's having a lot of fun with his season, just like Nebraska fans. How are you doing, Travis? Uh, I, I mean, it, is it laughing so it, it covers the pain or does that count yeah. as laughing later on or what? You know, true story. My mother fell down the stairs to our basement years ago and got up laughing. And I thought she'd broken her back. And I thought, is this just how we're going to do this the rest of our lives? Are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> I'm dying. Yes. <laughs> as far as I know, yes, that's how it works. Uh, mostly because after a while, I mean, last week, Nebraska played better against Iowa. Illinois embarrassed them. They were an embarrassment against the, the Illini. They were terrible. I was so mad and frustrated after that game with the lack of effort and lack of anything. And then against Iowa, it was kind of like, you know, being angry takes so much energy. I don't feel like being angry about this. So I kind of wasn't. I didn't get off Twitter fast enough, so I was angry about being on Twitter. Because <laughs> he's – a lot of the national writers really like to poke us, and uh, I find it irritating. But anyway, yes, laughter. It's the best medicine or something. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you talk about playing angry, and that's I think that's kind of where I was last week with Purdue. I was disappointed they didn't play angry. You have, you're coming off of a game where, quite honestly, we were robbed. I mean, we should, be, we should have a third win right now based on that call against Minnesota. Uh, you know, you can argue, oh, well, there were still 45 seconds left. They could have converted after, but no, they, you took the go ahead touchdown off the board. And even as bad as our defense is playing, I'd like to think that with a four point lead and 45 seconds left, we can keep the opposing team out of the end zone, maybe. But last week against Rutgers, you had, I mean, we even had a 10 point lead at halftime. And after giving up a long touchdown in the second half, we went right back down and got it. But we gave up immediately after that touchdown, we gave up like a 102 yard kickoff return and both, both ways just decided to, uh, you know, kind of quit really. There wasn't a lot of urgency there. There was not a lot of fight and it, it was kind of death by paper cuts because Rutgers wasn't doing anything special, but they were just running the ball five yards of play. And with a, quarterback that was not going to throw the ball it was either going to be quarterback keeper right or he was going to read option to the left with the running back and we couldn't stop it, it, it you just reach a point where you're just like all right score faster because then we might get the ball back and have a chance okay the, let's, that minnesota game <clears throat> at the end of that there is one clip of which you can see the guy kind of extend his arm into the defensive back and it's, it's not in any of the clips that people are showing. It's what, like way one, way up in the press box that BTN showed right after the play a couple times, and then it went away forever, kind of like uh, the guy in the grassy knoll. But I tweeted that the guy extended his arm, and it was probably whenever the official sees that, it was probably the correct call. Boy, did I get roasted for that. I mean, I mean to me, it's something that happens dozens of times a game where – 
you know, the guy may have his arm extended, but the defender will be grabbing said arm and everything to keep him back. So, I mean, if you're going to call it there, you're going to have to call it 20 times a game. It's ridiculous. And I don't think it had a factor in it. He still has the defender right with him and when he gets into the end zone and it was just, it was just an awful call. And I judge how bad of a call it was by even my dad, a 60 year old, almost retired pharmacist who has produced season tickets, but he does not like get into games nearly as much as me. Even he's like, well, that was a bad call. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, that was a bad call. Somebody made money on that. I'm like, thank you, dad. I appreciate that. Wow. So you, you started out the season, you beat Iowa that we just lost to. You beat Illinois that embarrassed us. Your Wisconsin game got canceled because that's what Wisconsin is now doing, I guess. Uh, you lost to Northwestern. You lost-ish to Minnesota. At least it says L on the thing I'm looking at. And then Rutgers comes to town and you lose to them. I mean, you can say these things about me too right now, but this is my podcast. So we're talking uh, about uh, Purdue. What, what is going on with Purdue? I, did you guys really didn't expect to be that good this year, right? It was kind of a. I, I kind of expected a table setting year, you know, long, long in the before times before COVID hit. We, we knew it was going to be a bit of a rough year. We were supposed to come out to Lincoln to start the season and then we had just a really tough non-conference slate. We were supposed to host Memphis and Air Force in back-to-back weeks, which Memphis for a bye game, oh, God, that was tough. Air Force. And then we had a return trip to go to Boston College, which looking what they're doing this year, that would not have been easy at all. So when kind of when COVID hit and then they restructured the schedule to the current incarnation, you know, it, it looked a little bit more favorable. We, we, you know, we lost Michigan from the East. And again, six weeks ago, you're telling me that we don't have to play Michigan from our original Big Ten schedule and we get to keep Rutgers from the East. Okay, <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> now I'm kind of regretting that, honestly. But uh, I, I think the Rutgers game is kind of the one. Northwestern's playing really well and you play a close game like that. We're still the only team that scored on them in the second half. Like, well, wait, Michigan state just did, but you know, we were the only team that had scored on them in the second half in the first five games. And they've got a really good defense. I don't think there's a lot of shame to it, but the Minnesota one just makes me angry. And then the Rutgers one, the way that it happened where we blew a double digit second half lead and, I give a ton of credit to Rutgers in this and that they are playing extremely hard this year. You know, they're at a talent deficit, you know, they're still trying to rebuild the program, but Shiano's got those guys just playing hard every game and they just, they don't go away. And that's how they were able to beat Michigan state. That's they were able to hang around. They probably could have beaten Illinois. They probably should have beaten Michigan and you know, yeah, they're two and they're two and four. They could be four and two quite easily right now. But there's still that stigma of it's Rutgers. You expect to win at home against Rutgers, especially when you're leading by 10 in the second half. And just the way that there was no adjustment whatsoever. Bob Diaco does not believe in creating any kind of pressure, especially on third down. I don't think he thinks that a blitz is a legal play. And the fan base is like, really? Are you kidding me? At one point in the fourth quarter, the BTN, uh, announcer and this is a as late in the fourth quarter they're like and Purdue's bringing another guy up in the box to uh stop the run I'm like well it's about bloody time because they've only run the ball for 17 straight plays at this point 
So you said his name before I, I got to it. Um, does, does Bob, when he was at Nebraska, Bob Diaco had to talk to the media because that's something you do when you're at Nebraska is the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator are expected to speak to the media. Does Bob Diaco have to do that at Purdue? I don't believe so. And that's probably a good thing after this week because (laughs) – and it's funny because when we hired him as defensive coordinator, a lot of people were like, oh, hey, his team just shut out Miami in a bowl game. Well, my wife's a University of Miami alum, and we watch all their games, and I'll I'll be the first to tell you – 11 people could have shut out Miami in a bowl game last year. Their offense was just a complete and utter shit show by the end of the season. So, I mean, it, that's not some grand accomplishment and whatnot. They're good this year. Oh, so, oh, thank you, son. That would be my seven-year-old just chimed in and said Miami's good this year. <laughs> <laughs> because he hates his father. <laughs> We're pretty equal Miami and Purdue stuff here. So, Oh God, that means he gets to choose which one's better. That's really, well, I guess he has multiple sports. So, you know, yeah. well, I had, I had the pleasure of watching the Minnesota Purdue game with my, my rotten son who goes to the university of Minnesota. Oh goodness. So, you know, we were, they, the call, you know, leave it alone. We're talking about Bob Diaco right now. Uh, are you tired of him yet? Uh, it's just, it's disturbing how little of a pass rush that we have. And we've got George Karloftis, freshman All-American last season. And you talk about this season being, you know, a giant exhibition and whatnot. This poor kid, he twisted his ankle against Illinois and missed the second half of that. And then he didn't play against Northwestern. He played limited against Minnesota. And then he had a positive COVID test this past week, and he did not play against Rutgers. So he's out another couple of weeks. And, you know, he's kind of the reverse Rondale Moore at this point. where We've only gotten to see him for about six, seven, eight quarters of the season so far. And unfortunately, he represents the entirety of our pass rush because – uh, if you watch the tape of the Northwestern game without Karloftis in there, Peyton Ramsey had 17 geological epochs to throw where there was no pass rush. There wasn't even anything close to a pass rush. And you see their offensive line just easily shoving our guys backward. And Ramsey, whenever he did decide to throw had all day to find a receiver. And if you give any quarterback five, six, seven, eight seconds to throw, they're going to find somebody who's open. And that, to me, that's the biggest problem that I have with Diaco is he's created zero pass rush at all. Um, we did get one sack against Rutgers and it was for a safety. They said that was our first sack since the Illinois game. Well, I, I do remember him speaking to the media and, and I believe he was asked the question about, giving up a massive ton of yards. And he said his goal with the defense was to make sure his team finished with one more point than the other team. And I thought, this guy, this guy should never, he should never be forced to be in front of the media ever. I, I don't know if you remember him when he was at UConn and some of the stupid stuff he said there. Well, I think it was UConn, right? The Civil War thing? Mm-hmm. The Civil Conflict, yeah. <laughs> yes, the Civil Conflict. And then at Nebraska, he would hold his tiny microphone instead of in front of his face instead of 
clipping. I don't. The guy was a disaster when he was talking. Although uh, it made for great fun, you know, great quotes. But uh, I mean, come on, you guys have Lorenzo Neal. That guy's going to be an NFL god, isn't he? He's actually done really well. Um, he's not necessarily been able to get to the quarterback very much, but. In each of the last three games, he has made a big play that has allowed us to get the ball back and at least have a chance to go down and do something. Uh, he, he had two really good run stuffs against Northwestern, but we just weren't able to do anything after those drives. Uh, he, he made the defensive play that let us get the ball back before that call. And then on Saturday, he made another big hit uh, where we were able to force a field goal and then the offense promptly went three and out and, and punted it back, and we never saw the ball again. So, you know, he's played well. We also have uh, Derek Barnes, a solid linebacker. He unfortunately got uh, call, He got tossed out this past week on a targeting call. He will miss the first half, and it was kind of a crap targeting call if you ask me, but uh, he's out for the first half of this week. And then uh, probably the third defender I would mention is a Juco guy by the name of Demarcus Mitchell, who he's played really, really well. He's been kind of banged up here of late, but he's, he's been a pleasant surprise, probably the best newcomer that we have on the defense. So your defense is basically about what are you eighth? I think in the big 10 in total defense. Uh, that would be generous. I would think at this point, I mean, <laughs> the I as I said earlier today, pretty much run do RP or do a uh, run pass option on first or second or a read option on first or second down. Have all day to throw on third down. Congratulations, you've scored thirty five points on Bob Diaco. And so it's, a, it's up to our offense to get it to like forty. Your eighth and Nebraska is ninth. Now, just to give you an idea of how bad defense is all around. Uh, you're giving up 406 yards a game in your eighth. So that's pretty generous, crappy defense. for. And, and who knows how much of that is COVID this year, too, because you've got teams that how much are they missing practice? How much have they lost in practice right. time and everything? And with Diaco, he's deciding to implement the 3-4. Well, we don't really have the personnel to do a 3-4 right now. So I think that that's a factor as well. So on the offensive side, quarterback? Um, it's probably going to be Jack Plummer. I know we, we started with Aiden O'Connell, and he did pretty well. Um, but he's got an injury right now that I know Brom has said he will require surgery eventually. So I don't know if he's like 100% out. But he, you know, he was quite effective in the first couple of games. Former walk-on that's done well. But Plummer started the last two games, and I've been pretty pleased with him. He gives a little bit more of an element. He can actually run the ball, unlike uh, unlike O'Connell, who makes Peyton Manning in his final Denver years look like uh, Lamar Jackson in terms of mobility. But um, I, I really like Plummer. He was fantastic at Minnesota. I don't put the game-ending interception on him. He had a pretty bad pick here against Rutgers, but for the most part, he's done a really good job of spreading the ball around and uh, when you've got David Bell and Rondale Moore, that erases yeah. a lot of mistakes. Yeah, th those two guys. I mean, if Nebraska fan, I'm obviously everybody in the nation who sh should know who Rondale Moore is. David Bell, on the other hand, I think.
probably people who are paying attention to football know who he is, but he is another, he's an, he could start on any big 10 team, in, including Ohio state. Don't you think? Oh, I think he could start on any team in the country with the numbers that he's putting up this year and the way that he started under O'Connell and the way he finished last season. I mean, this is a kid that's, he was a freshman all American last year. And I think he's played like an all American this season. He, I don't think there's any question. He's going to be a first team, all big 10. He's got seven touchdowns in what five games. And he's, yeah, I mean, he's been just fantastic all season long and we're finally getting to see what he can do with more. And really, I don't think we went to him and more enough against Rutgers. I think that was part of the problem is we couldn't get them the ball like we needed to, like we were able to do against Minnesota with Minnesota. They were just kind of back and forth up and down the field with them. So what do you think the run pass ratio is for you guys? Well, when we decide to stick with the run, we've had a lot of success this year. Xander Horvath has been great. He has three 100 yard rushing games, which is, about two more than we had from anybody all of last season. And he was getting six, seven, eight yards of carry against Minnesota and Rutgers. It's just, we have a tendency to go away from them. And I, another kind of contention point of contention we have with the fan base right now is Brian Brom had to coach the, the Iowa game because Jeff had a positive COVID test and he did a great job. He stuck with the run and, you know, we kind of wore Iowa down with the running game and Jeff hasn't really done that. So kind of people are like, okay, Jeff, why don't you back off and just be head coach and let Brian run the offense? <laughs> and Because it worked really well against Iowa, and Iowa's playing some pretty good football right now. So uh, it would be interesting to see if we just had more of a commitment because even, even against Rutgers down seven when we got the ball back, there was still plenty of time to run the football, and we were having plenty of room to run the football, but it just we went away from it. And – it would have been nice to turn what they were doing to us on them. And I think we could have had success for it with it. So when you look at this game coming up, does anything worry you at all about Nebraska? I think it's going to be a good old fashioned suck off. I mean, <laughs> both, both of our teams are struggling big time right now. And so I think you could have a big comedy of errors out there. Um, you know, I'm not too worried about our offense, except it's hard to say the offense isn't in sync when they're still scoring 30, 35 points a game, but really they just, you feel like they could be putting up 45 or 50 if they really could get in a rhythm and whatnot. So something's off. And then I don't, I don't trust our defense at all. I mean, at all. They, Minnesota and Rutgers scored way too easily on us. And, you know, you guys have a pretty decent offense, I know. Um, is Martinez still there? Or is it Martinez, quarterback still? Yeah, Adrian Martinez, I mean, yeah. He Just look what he was able to do last year. He had a pretty successful game and whatnot. So <laughs> you might just see a comedy of errors that ends like 45-42. But, hey, you get some points on the board and score and score that much. It's kind of fun. I, you know, I, I wrote that question down earlier. I thought, what scares you about Nebraska? And I thought, you know, you know, you have a crappy team when you're more worried about what your own team is doing rather than naming somebody else on the other team that's going to tear you up. 
And when I, when I look at Purdue, I think it is, you know, obviously Rondale Moore and David Bell are pretty damn good players on offense. And uh, I, that's, that's kind of the, the scary part is I do think our defensive backfield is pretty good. Our defense is playing a lot better than, well, that's not true. The problem is, is that nobody knows what you're going to get. You know, you had a, 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 game against Northwestern where we got to the red zone six times and came away with what was it? 13 points. Mm. Uh, you have a game against Illinois in which the defense looked like they didn't even bother showing up. And then you have a defense against Iowa that stuffs their run game and actually plays pretty well. Just the offense can't score points. So I don't know what we're doing. You and I talked before we started recording about my attitude that this is year is a giant long scrimmage against live opponents. What do you, what do you think of that attitude? I mean, I think it's pretty accurate. And even when we were going to have a full season, I looked at this year as kind of a building blocks year for next year, because Brahms, uh, 2019 and 2020 recruiting classes were by far the best that we have had in several years. I mean, you're looking back to like 2004 with Joe Tiller and whatnot. So I, we had to play a lot of freshmen last year. We had a lot of more talented freshmen coming in this year. And I kind of looked at it as the, all right, everything's setting up to be an eight, nine, 10 win season in 2021. And even in terms of more, a more favorable schedule, because, Instead of having Memphis Air Force and at Boston College, next year we have Oregon State, Notre Dame, and UConn, which, you know, yeah, Notre Dame is doing really, really well, but Oregon State and UConn is a lot easier than some others. And, right. Uh, but I, I still was thinking, all right, we get to six or seven wins this year, and then on the new schedule you get to four or five wins, maybe even six, especially after we started 2-0 and with that good Iowa win. You know, there was a lot of confidence there. And now there's just that element of you, you just lost at home to Rutgers. You got pushed around <laughs> the entire second half by Rutgers. And again, Rutgers is playing hard. They, there's no question about their effort. And I give them all the credit in the world. But you got pushed around by them. And it's not like they needed – when they beat Michigan State, they needed the seven turnovers. They got one turnover against us. They, they flat out kicked our ass for the second half. And when that is the last impression that you've got of your team, you know, that kind of, that puts a bad taste in your mouth, especially going into next year. And we still have to play Indiana and well, Indiana's real good this year. So <laughs> they, they care. I think that's the key. I mean, when you watch Penn state play, I mean, we beat Penn state. That's our win. Uh, when you watch them play, I mean, they beat Michigan this past weekend, but there's just not anything in them. They're just, they're like, why are we doing this almost? You know, Michigan's like that right now. And you're looking at Michigan fans that are like, you know, maybe Jim Harbaugh should go away. So <clears throat> I, I guess I look at this season. I know that we've caught a lot of crap about Nebraska wanting to play football and then being one and four. And Scott Frost gets attacked by everybody pretty much for everything he does. Um, I don't know. It's been a tough year. I, I, Started out saying that someday we'll look back on this and laugh, and I hope to God that's true. But uh, I don't know. What else about Purdue can you tell us for this upcoming game? Um, just 
it just feels like we're going to play a close game. All five of our games this season have been by seven points or less. So yeah, it, regardless of how poorly we play or how well we play, because I think we played pretty well against Iowa. I think we played pretty well for about three quarters against Illinois. We let, we, we let off the gas against Illinois and they were able to come back and almost had a chance. To, they had a chance to tie it late. And I think we, for the most part, played pretty well against Minnesota, at least offensively. So I think you're going to see us come out. We're going to score 30, 35 points. We're going to not – we're going to give up some long drives. We might give up a bad play. But, you know, this feels like one of those 38, 34 games, and that's right where we are right now. We lost to – you know, we beat Minnesota 38, 34. We <laughs> lost to- – <laughs> I ain't letting that go. <laughs> I wouldn't either, I guess, honestly, looking at that play. Yeah. Uh, you know, we lost to Rutgers 37 to 30. We lost to, uh, we lost it, or we beat Illinois. I think that was 38 31. So, you know, that seems to be right where we are right now. We're going to give up 30. You know, we're going to score 30. We're going to give up 30. Can we get more? <laughs> anything, anything you want to go into about Purdue basketball, real quick? We're going to be – that's another team that's going to be young, and I think we're kind of building more towards next year. But I was really, really impressed with the freshmen that we have. Um, we went down to Florida, and we played in a little four-team tournament. Beat a pretty good Liberty team. I know Liberty uh, was had 30 wins last year. They have uh, won a couple of other games here. That I think they beat Mississippi State, and they beat another Power 5 team. And then a more experienced Clemson team really hassled us with their defense. But um, in the, in the Clemson game, we were down to eight scholarship guys because we have our lead, one of our leading scorers. He's out for a few weeks. He had a, I think they said it was a compression fracture in his knee that's healing. And then um, we have another uh, sophomore that he's had some trouble. He's had some breathing issues and everything and he's getting his conditioning up. So we were down and another one of our freshmen had a foot injury was out. So we were down to eight scholarship guys for that Clemson game, and we still held our own. And five freshmen are going to play major minutes this year. But they, they've been really, really impressive so far. Brandon Newman redshirted last season. He shows that he can be a scorer. Jaden Ivey, his mother is the, uh, the new coach at Notre Dame for their women's team. And she actually was a national title winner for them against a beat us in the national title game in 2001. So uh, he had a really, really good game against Liberty. And then he missed the Clemson game because he had minor foot injury. And then guess what? We got another really tall guy. (laughs) Uh, Zach Eady. Uh, I, my goodness, I did not expect this from him. Seven foot four kid from Canada played at IMG Academy with a bunch of other you know, top, top kids that went there as a prep school year. And when he committed to Purdue, it was the, oh, he's a project guy. He hasn't been playing basketball that long. And then he comes out and he scores 36 points in his first two collegiate games and was nine of 10 from the field and just basically dunking on everybody. And, you know, I was impressed. He, he has the size of Isaac Haas. He doesn't go on the outside as much as Matt Harms did, but he has Haas's size, but better footwork and is quicker. So I so, really, so I have him. a new guy to hate for the next four years from Purdue. Yeah. I mean, he just, you couldn't have asked for a better debut from him. He comes off the bench and his first touch, 
he uh, gets a lob and it looked like it was going to be an alley-oop, but it was a bad pass. And he still just keeps it above his head, goes up and throws it down with both hands. So you're like, welcome to the game. <laughs> seven foot four? Seven four two eighty five. Oh my God. And he's a He freshman. is a mountain. <sighs> well, I'm excited what Fred Hoyberger is doing, mostly because I, we actually have a commit from a first five-star in Nebraska basketball history for well. next season, which, you know, for us, I mean, we've talked about this before where, you know, you guys hope to go to a bowl game of football and I hope we win an NCAA tournament game someday <laughs> in basketball. You know what I mean? The comparisons are kind of there for different sports. So I just, I would like to see us not finish last in the big 10. That's all I want it. That's all I want to have happen this year. Well, you guys and, smoked us in Lincoln last year. You guys, you guys that was one of the, that was one of your better games, I know. And then I, I know it was rough that you had to suit up two football players for the Big Ten tournament game. That w- one of the Big Ten tournament games that got played, the last Big Ten game of the season. Yeah, I was kind of hoping yeah. you guys would somehow pull that out because just because you were playing Indiana, and it would have been really fun to watch them lose that. <laughs> <one. laughs> I was at the game where Minnesota scored over a hundred points on us, and. Our team just looked exhausted. They just looked completely worn out by the time that game, uh, you know, probably in the second half of that game, they looked like they just wanted to go lay down. Um, that was right when the pandemic was starting. And I, I was was at the court side, so I was shooting it. And um, right as the game got over, the only person I shook hands with was Doc Sadler, one of our assistant coaches. And I stuck my hand out and I shook his hand. And I said, good luck, Doc. And he, he looks up and he says, thanks. And I pulled my hand away and I think, oh, my God, I've just infected the entire basketball team. <laughs> you know? So that was the end of the season last year. You know, hopefully this year. Do you think we'll get a basketball season? Do you think it'll just uh, – it's going to come we'll apart? I think we'll get something just because there's too much money involved. And, I mean, yeah. look, at, look at how much they lost by not having the NCAA tournament. Uh, I know that they already are working on the plan to have the entire NCAA tournament here in Indianapolis, which honestly I would find kind of interesting because you've got, they can use Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, in theory, you could even, if you're not having fans, you could divide Lucas Oil Stadium and have two courts in there. Just put a big divider up in the middle. And then you've got Bankers Life Field House. Uh, you also have Hinkle Field House, where they could play some games. You have Marion University, which is an NAIA team here. You've got University of Indianapolis's Division II school. They have their own gym. You have the Fairgrounds Coliseum, which um, is a renovated venue. It's like, you know, just an old school 1920s, 30s Coliseum. They went in, they gutted it. It was closed for two years. And then a uh, minor league hockey team plays there and that's where IUPUI plays their home games now. So they moved out of their small on campus gym and they play, it's like two miles from Hinkle and, you know, it's a nice little six, 7,000 seat arena. You could in theory play the games there. You could play up the road at Purdue, down the road at Bloomington. You could play at Ball State. You could play at Indiana State. All those are within like an hour's drive of Indy. And then I I love what somebody had proposed, and I don't think they could do it, is playing some of the games at the classic high school gyms in the state. (laughs) The the unfortunate part of that is 
at least in Indiana, it high school is on an 84 foot court and you need a 94 foot court for college. So it would be tricky to work in that 10 extra feet on the end of some of these floors. Like my high school, we have like one of the classic gyms. It's one of, you know, it, you walk in there and it just feels like Indiana basketball and it's got hmm. so much history in it. I would love for them to play there, but unfortunately it's the, sh- the floor is too short. <laughs> so, but I uh, you know, know one, of, one of my imaginary scenarios is, is if you're not going to have fans or if you're going to have a severely limited amount of fans, the final four was already going to be here anyway, have the final four in Hinkle. Don't play it in a giant cavernous football stadium with nobody in there. Move it to Hinkle. If you can get 5,000 fans into Hinkle, great. But, you know, and of course, since it's Hinkle, no prime time. You play it at noon and you have that sunlight coming through the glass (laughs) and reflecting off the floor. That's what you need to do. And if you don't do that NCAA, you suck. (laughs) You're already setting the bar high. You've got Hinkle right there. It's not hard. Well, you know, and you do, I mean, you have an excuse to do whatever you want really this year. I mean, I think it's coming down to just, just play the games. You know what I mean? Denver this last weekend in the NFL played without quarterbacks because the NFL was angry at them and said, no, you're playing without quarterbacks because the NFL is going to get its money somehow. And and I appreciate this is probably been the, the year that I've appreciated the NFL more than I have in a very long time, just because, uh, well, Nebraska's not doing that well and the Packers are doing very well. So, you know, just give me something to not think about work all the time. And that's what I pretty much do is work all the time. What I wanted to see the big 10 do is I wanted to see them nix the non-conference schedule, nix the big 10 tournament, and you play a 26 game, Premier League style round robin. Everybody plays everybody twice home and away. 26 game season. Let's do it. And you just make it like the uh, English Premier League. No playoffs, no tournament after, well, the NCAA tournament, but no Big Ten tournament, nothing. That way you did, you got a true champion at the end, and that's that. They didn't do that. They should have. They, they did. I don't know if they've thought a lot about this. They need to put me I, in charge. I, but they they need to put somebody in charge. Uh, I guess we can bag on the Big Ten a lot, and I think in some ways they deserve it. But on the other hand, you kind of look at this year and you go, I, everything that we think that we should have done is hindsighted. So, I don't know, maybe we should have more mercy and kindness on our decision makers all around for all of this stuff that's going on. Because yeah. I think the hardest part with the Big Ten is they had months to come up with a solution. Yeah. And their their solution until like mid-August was, well, maybe we won't have to make a decision. It really did. Yeah, it did look like that. Okay. I think we'll call it a wrap, man. All right. Well, um, I appreciate you having me on. That's great. <laughs> Well, I figured people wanted to know something about Purdue. And really, the bottom line of what you told us is that this game is going to be a giant ball of suck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look what ha- I mean, look what's happened last year. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest game, but it was one that came right down to the end. And, you know, you, you have like the movie, uh, you have the movie ending of 
walk-on fourth-string quarterback comes in because the starter gets injured and leads the uh, game-winning drive. And, well, O'Connell did that three times in his first five games of his career, so. Well, I I hope that we – Minnesota Northwestern, I guess, has already been canceled, and I don't think Minnesota is going to be playing Nebraska the week after this. So this might be our last football game of the season. I guess they're doing that plus one thing, or maybe we can have a bowl game or something, but – uh, you know, our, our, our sometimes starting second quarterback, Luke McCaffrey, uh, said a few weeks ago, it's just a blessing to be on the field. And I think everybody should really take that to heart, you know, not just on the field, but being around and being able to do stuff. So that's my ending. One, one, one thing that Nebraska fans can probably take heart is if you're down to your third string quarterback, you've got us right where you want us because – uh, Illinois made their comeback. They were down to like their fourth guy because they were having some COVID issues and some injuries. Uh, Rutgers was running their third guy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, because they, I know Vidral did not play and Sitkowski. And that's another frustrating thing about the Rutgers game is the third string quarterback was not a threat to throw. He, he hit on the big pass because it was the misdirection designed. Okay. You have one option. Everybody's supposed to be looking left and the one guy's going right and you missed him. And so he was able to hit him there, but the Rutgers was literally doing the, Oh, we're going to be passing now. So run Sitkowski in because he's the passing quarterback. And then he would leave and the other guy would come in and it's like, okay, we are running the ball now. And I'm like, and you still can't stop them. Bob Diaco. <laughs> There's your ending. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This has been John's post-life crisis talking with Travis Miller of Purdue about this game coming up this weekend. Thank you for listening. Uh, go big red. Any final words, Travis? Uh, let's just hope it's entertaining on Saturday and, you know, we don't get mucked into like a six, three field goal game than in the rain or something. No, there you go. All right.